Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of Wrestlers with Experience. I am Mark Morell, known to you all as Mark Knight, one half of the greatest and most illustrious tag team in the goddamn universe, the multiverse, and everything in between. Along with my partner in crime and the other half of the most illustrious tag team, Dietrich Davis, we are wrestlers with experience and we thank you for tuning in to this here episode and thank you for listening to it listening to us on your favorite streams google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, radio stitcher podbeam podcast attic tuned in in cast box and not to mention deezer if i didn't i'll say it again but nonetheless lo and behold I want to talk to you guys about <clears throat> this here topic, the ballad of Jay White. I don't know why I said ballad, but it's the ballad of Jay White. Let me take you guys back tonight to Wrestle Kingdom. We seen a disappointed, heartbroken Jay White lose night two's main event. Dakota Ibushi for the double crown. We seen this man who beat Kota Ibushi two months prior in capturing his challenge contract in the briefcase. And it seemed like Kota Ibushi was out of the running, running out of the contest, out of everything. And it seemed like Jay White was flying high. No one could touch him. Jay White was going to become the IWGP double crown champion. The belt was his. Everything was in the bag. Jay White was unstoppable. Jay White couldn't lose. Jay White had everything going for him in this contest. There was no way in hell that Jay White was losing this match. But lo and behold, after going 48 minutes with the Golden Star. Jay White lost. And he was upset. Everything was done. He went downstairs at the press stage at Wrestle Kingdom. He got on the microphone and expressed himself his heartbreak, his disappointment, his sadness. He was at the stage of his life where it was like, I don't know what to do. I'm done. I've sacrificed myself. I've given my whole livelihood eight years to becoming the best pro wrestler in the world. Only for what? To lose Wrestle Kingdom? I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this. It seems like New Japan doesn't appreciate me it seems like new japan doesn't care about me it seems like new japan is chewing me up and looking to toss me out i don't think i can work like this so what can i do in this situation i don't know maybe i need to leave maybe i need to go away maybe i need to go somewhere where my talents can be appreciated maybe i need to be somewhere where um i can get to be a big star anywhere I'm out of here. 
I have one more match left, and that is New Year's Dash. And when it's all said and done, I'm gone. You will never see me again. After New Year's Dash, he gets in a ring. In the traditional tag match, it was a multi-man tag match, Bullet Club versus Chaos at the Tokyo Dome Municipal Gym. And <clears throat> Tomohiro Ishii beat him in that main event tag match and told him at the end, you're good, don't give up. Take some time off, come back, and let's do it all over again. From there, the speculation. The whole month of January. Speculation. Where's Jay White going? Where's Jay White going? Is he coming to AEW? Rumor has it that he's going to the WWE. Rumor has it that he's walking away from pro wrestling in general. Everybody... From Dave Meltzer, JD from New York, WrestleVotes, Solomonster, myself and Dietrich included, WrestleTalk, everybody, Ryan Satin, um, everybody who has their ear to the ground, they were all trying to figure out what Jay White was going to do. Where was he going? What's happening here? What is New Japan going to do now that Jay White is leaving? Jay White worked everybody, and he worked everybody good. And I seen it the minute he cut his promo right after the match. And I'm going to tell you why. Of course, everyone all knows that he's still under contract. But many people were speculating, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's done, he's gone. He's not coming back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. What is he going to do? So naturally, everybody had rumors flying around that Jay White was coming to the WWE. Now, I want to talk to you guys about that. Right? January is usually when all of the New Japan contracts come to a halt come to an end, time for renewal, or whatever. And usually, this is the time where wrestlers who sign a two-year, three-year, maybe a five-year contract, their contracts are up, and then it's time for renegotiations. Nothing came out that there was going to be some kind of renegotiation or anything. Because prior to that, Jay already signed a multi-year contract. Jay White went home. He disappeared. He went below the radar. Everybody was asking questions. What's going on with Jay? What's going on with Jay? Dietrich and I were talking. We even talked about this on the episodes um, prior to this. Or even offline. And I'm sure we did. We talked. Where would Jay White fit if he comes to America? And we said, naturally, the NXT roster. 
And the reason why we said the NXT roster is because this is where Jay White can shine. Jay White can flourish on the NXT roster. But I took it a step further. And I said, no, fuck the NXT roster, the third brand. How about NXT UK? NXT UK can use a man like Jay White. Jay White can flourish there. Jay White can become a top challenger right off the gate against men like Walter. He would fit perfect there. And then he can come over and get into the mix of things with the American NXT roster, taking on the Kushidas, taking on the Tommaso Champas, taking on the um, Johnny Gargano's, taking on Finn Balor, taking on Adam Cole, taking on all these guys in the NXT brand. But I want to tie in something else. Meltzer was one of the ones that mentioned that, well, Jay is still under contract with WWE. And no, I'm not one to sing the praise of Dave Meltzer. We're not here for that. I'm just here to talk about what's cracking and what's going on in these streets and not these dirt sheets. Fuck that. I'm talking about what's going on with the Switchblade. The Switchblade, rumors were also talking that he might go to AEW. And he might confront Kenny Omega, the Bucks, and, you know, all this thick-ass Bullet Club shit. Maybe he might go to Impact, get involved in this Bullet Club shit. Who knows, this Bullet Club reunion business. But then something else hit me. And I forgot to add this, and I think I'm going to add it right now. It would have been interesting to see a Jay White in the WWE. But then at the same token, this is where it'd be two-sided. It's two-sided because, one, as much as people would love to see Jay White in the WWE based on assumption, most people in North America that are in the sports entertainment bubble, they don't watch New Japan, they don't know Jay White. If they've never been to a House of Glory show, they don't know Jay White. If they've never been or even watched ROH tapings while Jay White was on excursion from New Japan, they don't know him. They don't know the history behind King Switch. They don't know the history behind the Switchblade, the man behind the Switchblade era. They don't know him. They don't know that before he became the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, the U.S. Champion, the IWGP Champion, the man who main evented Madison Square Garden at the G1 Climax Super Show with ROH. They didn't know that Jay White was on excursion with ROH. A lot of people don't know the young man from New Zealand who spent that good portion of those eight years as a young boy at the Nogay Dojo. They didn't know this young man 
who was getting his ass kicked and his ass handed to him by Suzuki Gun every freaking week. They didn't know about Jay White. When he was getting chased by the man who owned the Iron Fingers, um, Takusha Izikawa, Uzika, Tatsuhito Izika, they didn't know about that. When he was getting ribbed and harassed by Tai Chi, they didn't know about that Jay White. They didn't know about the kid who came in from New Zealand and joined the class with Juice Robinson, David Fenley, um, Show and Yo, and um, Hiromu and El Desperado. They didn't know about that guy. Fresh, young, promising upstart from New Zealand, brought in by Bad Luck Fale to join the New Japan Dojo based on his recommendation. They didn't know about what he was going through, the dues he paid. Now, I know a lot of people don't like the whole pay your dues talk, but fuck, man, when you're in the New Japan Dojo, you're paying your dues. You're getting up early in the morning. After you pass that dojo examination, doing the squats, doing the push-ups, the cardiovascular, and all that other stuff. And if you're able to pass all of that, you're in the New Japan Dojo on scholarship. And your, learn your lesson, you're cleaning the dojo, you're training, you're eating, you're a ring attendant, you're part of the ring crew. You're taking care of the wrestlers. You're taking care of the Tanahashis and the Makabe Togis and the Naitos and, you know, um, Okada, Goto, uh, Yano, Yujiro. You're taking care of all these guys. Um, Nagata, freaking um, Tenzan, Kojima. You're taking care of these guys. Suzuki, you're, you're their attendants. You are their attendants. You weren't there. Many of us weren't there to know the learning curve that a Jay White had to go through to become the wrestler that he is. When you go to New Japan, or you watch New Japan Pro Wrestling, the key element is the young boys ringside watching the matches becoming chess players while watching the men that I just mentioned work inside that ring take their jackets to the back of the locker room clean the ring clean the arena pack and unpack the bus go to the dojo or go to the hotel, or whatever. They don't get the sponsored dinners. They don't get all that stuff. They got to eat that chanko at the dojo. They got to eat the rice in the dojo. You know, the, the gyudon and stuff in the dojo. And they had to work out, lift weights, cardiovascular training, ring work, bumping in the ring, getting your footwork together, learning psychology. 
the night sitting up in his dorm room, writing his family, texting his family, video chatting with his family. People don't know that about Jay White, and especially those who are here in the States. They don't know. Now, had he come to the WWE and had he come to the Royal Rumble, the smart fans would recognize Jay White. They would cheer. Oh, shit. Jay White's here. He's in the WWE. Oh, he's in the Royal Rumble. But he wasn't going to win. He wasn't going to get the fanfare AJ Styles got. He wasn't going to get the fanfare that Prince Devitt got when he came to the main roster. He's not going to get the fanfare Shinsuke Nakamura got when he came from the main roster. A lot of people don't know that guys like Samoa Joe, he came from the New Japan Dojo, the original LA Dojo. Daniel Bryan also comes from the LA Dojo. Not too many people know that. But those who follow the business, they know who he is. Many American fans don't. And like Dietrich would say, well, how marketable would a Jay White be in the WWE? He has what I said. He has the looks and the chance of being the second coming of Triple H. I stated that. I might be a little out of my reach for saying that, but I thought that he, if he were, he probably could be the second coming of Triple H. Not the aristocrat, not the snobby fuck, you know, the fake William Regal. No. He could be Mr. Suit and Tie. He could do all this shit. You know, come out all cocky with the swag and everything. Jay White can do all that. But how many people would be receptive to him? In an era where you have the number one heel in the business, Roman Reigns at the top of the mountain, where you have personalities like Sami Zayn and AJ Styles running third behind Trip um about to say Triple H. It's Roman Reigns. You got Sheamus. You got Baron Corbin. You know, all these other people that Jay White would have to overcome to get to that level to compete against AJ, to compete against um Daniel Bryan, to compete against Sami Zayn or Kofi Kingston, all these other people, only to lose to Roman Reigns who's at the top of the mountain right now only to lose to a Drew McIntyre who's at the top of the mountain right now he'd be down in NXT yes he'll have some barn burners with Prince Devitt you would have another instance where it's Bullet Club versus Bullet Club New Japan versus New Japan you'll get that and these will be great matches but then it would have to compete against the guys down in Jacksonville right across the network on TNT. If he would have went to AEW, you would have all those great matches, but then he would be lost in the sea of things. Oh, they could put him in there with Cody Rhodes. They could put him in there with Hangman Page. They could put him in there with MJF. They could put him in there with an Eddie Kingston 
or a Lance Archer. They could put him in there with uh, Ricky Sparks. They could put him in there with um, <clears throat> Will Dobbs and to help those guys out. Him and Dustin can have a barn burner of a match. Him and John Silver can have a barn burner of a match. He might be able to do something with Pentagon or Ray Phoenix. He might be able to do something with uh, the Butcher and the Blade. He could probably do something definitely with the um, with those boys. Um, the Revival, FTR. And he might be able to do something with Luchasaurus. And definitely Moxley. Jericho, yeah, I could say Jericho. But I'm removing Jericho out of the, the picture. Let's not do that. MJF, yes. Sammy Guevara, yes. Uh, what's my man? Um, Sammy Hagar, yes. We can see that. Santana Ortiz, yes. Matt Hardy, yes. Darby Allen, maybe. Will Dobbs, Will Hobbs, no. Sonny Kiss, Joey Janela, no. Um, there's so many people he could do some things with. Um, he could probably do something with Billy Gunn. He could probably do something with um Austin Gunn too, but. New Japan would be in a bad position if they lost Jay White. And the reason why I say this is because January comes around, this is when the WWE starts poaching motherfuckers. They start sending out fillers to New Japan to see who they can poach from off the top of their echelon. Here's the drawback. If you take Jay White out of New Japan Pro Wrestling, what foreign heel can step in and fill his spot? Not everybody. There isn't anybody as a foreign heel that can take his spot right now. His spot in New Japan Pro Wrestling is solidified. He doesn't have to go anywhere. And I'm going to tell you why. Jay White, in my honest opinion, his star will always shine bright in New Japan. He doesn't have to dip and jump ship like Kenny Omega did when they formed All Elite Wrestling. The scrambling they had to do to make Jay White the number one foreign wrestler in New Japan, that speaks volumes. You understand? It speaks volumes. Sure, they can make Tama Tonga the star. But Tama is focused on the tag team division with his brother. If they wanted to make Bad Luck Fale the star, they could do that too. But Fale is in the enforcer role. And don't get me wrong, Fale's my man. But Fale is the face of Bullet Club. Nah. The face of the Bullet Club would have to be Tama. But then... We have some unfinished business. And this is where things pick up. 
So the Road to New Beginning shows started taking place this week. And in the six-man tag, Chaos got the win. Excuse me, the the 10-man tag or elimination matches. Chaos, Team Chaos got the win in these matches. And as Okada and Yano and Yoshihashi or and Goto or Ringside from out of nowhere, Jay White comes in, low kicks uh Yoshi, I mean Tomohiro Ishii, hits him with the Blade Runner, and gets on the mic and let the world know this is his era. He goes downstairs, gets on the mic at the press station and says, this is the real era. This is my era. This is still the Switchblade era. We don't have time to play around with some knockoff Bullet Club shit. You know who led the signs and dropped the signs for all that? Tama Tonga. If you go to his Twitch page or you go to Tama's Island, you can listen to Tama drop seeds to all of you that Jay White wasn't going anywhere. New Japan Pro Wrestling worked, you guys. They removed Jay's profile off the um, New Japan um, site. But they worked everybody. This was good. Jay White needed to stay in New Japan and that's the smart move. That's a smart investment because New Japan has invested heavy in Jay White. Jay White has that, in my opinion, and as crazy as it sounds, and I'm sure Dietrich will probably corner me and say, yo, Mark, what the fuck's you talking about? I'm going to tell you, Jay White has that young Hulk Hogan appeal to him. And when I say young, I'm talking about Hogan, when he was in his late 20s, his late 20s in New Japan, I'm talking that Hulk Hogan, that mystique when he was taking on Inoki and Sakaguchi and Fujinami and Andre and Abdullah the Butcher, teaming up with Stan Hansen, taking on Dick Murdoch, Dusty Rhodes, taking on all those guys. That's the kind of mystique Jay White has. He has that type of mystique. That Freddie Blassie mystique as a top foreign heel, a foreign menace. I'm not going to say they couldn't make um, Chase Owens that guy, but Chase Owens is the fall guy for Bullet Club. In a few years, El Fantasmo can probably take that spot if he moves up to the heavyweight division. But right now, He's ruling the roost with Taji Shimori as the junior heavyweight tag team champions. That's where he needs to be. Jay White, let it be known that he's going after Tomohiro Ishii and that they're going after the never six-man tag belts. And that's coming up soon. Along with the Gorillas of Destiny, they're going to go after and they're going to capture the never six-man tag team titles. And then when it's said and done, as he progressed throughout the year, I might be wrong, but I see this man winning the New Japan Cup 
this year. And it'll be down to him and Sonata. Or somewhere down the road in the G1 Climax, Jay White will win the G1 Climax. I can see that happening. Jay White is going to stay in the main event picture for New Japan. And this is where it needs to be. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, thank you for tuning in to this episode, The Ballad of Jay White. If you like this episode, please continue to tune in and support the efforts of myself and Dietrich Davis or bring it to you guys. We're going to continue to do these episodes and eventually we're going to get back together and we're going to do some episodes um, in person once again. But again, keep listening to us on Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbeam, CastBox, Deezer, Tuned In, Podcast Addict. Um, follow us on our social medias, Marque.Morello on Facebook, Dietrich Davis on, I think it's like All My Trees. You can find where all of our um, podcast links are at, Team DDD On Demand, at um, Instagram and Twitter, M Double Forty Four on Twitter, and XM Nightbuster on Twitter as well. So you can follow me there. If you got any questions, Team DDOD on demand at gmail.com. And we thank you for tuning in for this episode of Wrestlers with Experience. I just for- celebrated my 47th birthday. I'm good like a motherfucker, and I'm about to get my master's in a couple of weeks. I will see you lot at the matches and next time. And we'll see you soon.